Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Today on the program, we're going to look at a global approach to real estate, banking, and privacy as we consider planting multiple flags in our business and real estate investments. And we've got an awesome guest today on the Real Estate Guys. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. Real Real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, you will, like me, watch the Super Bowl. We said last week this would be the Super Bowl edition of our show. And as we were watching the Super Bowl this year, and it's the one sporting event I have to see. I'm not much of a sports guy, but I have to see it for the obvious reason, the commercials, which are fascinating to watch. But I got talking with some folks about, you know, kind of, the arrogance of the United States. Now, don't take me wrong, right? I live in the United States, and I'm a citizen, and I'm a patriot in a lot of ways, but the Super Bowl is the biggest sporting event in the world, and yet all the teams come from one country. So we got talking about the diversity that people have when they're looking at investments, and specifically when we talk about investors, the majority of investors Invest in the stock market and the bond market. Those are your typical investors. Some invest just through mutual funds. Some people's only investment is their retirement fund. But many folks own individual equities or stocks. And Russ likes to use this example. If you're a stock investor, do you drive around your town and look up at the buildings to see the logos to decide who to invest in? That's ludicrous. No, you wouldn't just invest in companies that are in your area. But now when we put on our real estate investor's hat, for some reason, people think in terms of real estate being the real estate in their marketplace. And although you wouldn't ever probably pick a stock based on where the company is located or headquartered, you'd definitely pick real estate according to what? Location, location, location. So this led to a very interesting discussion about, you know, where you invest and what's outside of your comfort zone. You know, I love to do this when we have a group of people in a room at an event. I love to say, okay, who thinks it's risky to invest outside of your own country? And a lot of hands go up. And then the follow-up question is, of course, who thinks it's risky to have all of your investment tied to one nation's currency and economy? And a whole different set of hands go up. And this isn't about right or wrong. It's just understanding that the world we live in today is changing, and it's changing drastically. It is a big old world, but it really is getting smaller through technology and social media. And, and today, just imagine your life. You probably have some relationships with people who live in other countries that are made possible by technology. At least the level of the relationship, whether it's a work relationship or personal relationship, it's easier to stay in connection with people because of technology. And so the world is getting smaller in a lot of ways. There's more information readily available, which is great. But we limit ourselves often to a geography we're familiar with. And so for today, 
I want you to at least consider that there might be better returns somewhere other than where you live. And furthermore, I want you to think in terms of your personal investment philosophy regarding investment property outside your home country. Whatever country you live in, there may be great investments available right now, but there may not be. And so just like the stock investor who chooses to look at stocks that are headquartered in places all over the world, as a real estate investor, we got to at least consider investments in other places. Now, I remember back in 2002 and 2003, investment real estate was pretty strong. We were in a couple of pretty great marketplaces, and we were bringing a lot of folks in saying, hey, the water feels really warm. Let's get some properties. And, and while it was going on, we witnessed a couple of markets get kind of overheated. When we were starting and making offers on investment property, the gross rent multipliers were in the 7 and 8s. And before long, they were being bid up to the 10s and 11s and 12s, which just means that people are willing to pay more for the same amount of income. That's a sign that a market might be a little bit frothy. Well, once that happened in a couple of marketplaces, we started to think, you know, we ought to be looking a little wider, casting a wider net than just at, the, at that time, the Western United States. So not only did we look in the Eastern United States, but we started to look in other countries. And the first few investments that I made internationally were in Mexico and the Dominican Republic, Australia, even Bulgaria, looking to diversify. And when you go through that process, it's an educational process. There is so much to learn and understand. The basis of law is different. Contracts are different. Language is often different. Time zones are different. So I'm not suggesting that you run out right away and buy property in Singapore. What I am saying is that there are always marketplaces that are performing better than average. And I have made it my practice as a real estate investor to look aggressively for those places. And it's not just about real estate. I want you to consider this for a minute. If you have a company, maybe it's a small business, or maybe it's your real estate holding company or management company, does that company necessarily need to be domiciled where you live? Many United States real estate investors will consider holding an asset, a piece of property in a limited liability company or other entity that often is not located in the same jurisdiction as they are. And if you go through our archive of shows, you'll hear lots of shows where we talk about that. We had Garrett Sutton on the show months back, and he was talking about the places that he likes to have companies formed independent of where the asset within the company exists. So stepping back from that, you just have to ask yourself, does your operating company, your holding company, your management company, your individual LLCs, do those necessarily have to be domiciled where you live? And do they necessarily have to be domiciled in the country you live in? Are there some reasons and strategic advantages to considering different jurisdictions? Well, that's what we're going to set out to at least ask about today. We may not answer all those questions, but we're going to ask some of those questions today. And our guest is a guy who spends a lot of time thinking about this. In fact, in many ways, he is what we call a perpetual tourist. He doesn't really have a home. He goes from place to place to place and sees the world as his office. And for the last three years or so, I've been every day reading his newsletter and kind of chronicling where he goes in the world. And I've got some great insights from that. And a couple of months ago, I had a chance to meet this gentleman face to face. Now, he's kind of a really private guy, and I'm sure that'll come out in the interview. But by reading his newsletter, I discovered he was going to be in the same city I was going to be in. And I reached out and said, hey, could we get together? And in fact, we did. And it ended up that we met at the airport. I had just come in. He was just leaving for a flight. I thought we'd have enough time to do an interview. But in fact, we didn't. We only had about 10 minutes together. And we just agreed that we would do an interview when it became workable for both of our schedules. And I'm happy to say that that day is today. 
But we had a great chance to just connect and to try to talk a little bit about some of these issues. And I thought, you know, even though he's a real estate investor, his primary gig isn't necessarily real estate, but what he does is he looks at the world in a much bigger perspective than many of us do. And so when we come back, you'll get to meet real estate investor, entrepreneur, and world traveler, Simon Black, today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Looking for solid cash flow in a market where the jobs are likely to stay put? Hi, this is Robert Helms. Join me April 26th through 28th for the Real Estate Guys Investor Field Trip to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm excited to show you this affordable real estate market where cash flow is the name of the game. You'll meet active developers, rehabbers, property managers, plus folks from the Chamber of Commerce and many surprise guest speakers. Find out how the four R's of Memphis will virtually ensure a steady supply of qualified tenants. For all the details, visit realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Join me in Memphis for an amazing cash flow weekend. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click events. Why is it that in every horror movie, there's a pretty girl who goes into a creepy house and heads down into the scary basement? Nothing good ever happens in the basement. What is she thinking? I feel the same way when I continue to see Americans dump billions into 401ks, IRAs, and mutual funds, even self-directed IRAs. On top of that, they continue to perpetuate the massive U.S. banking system by keeping large deposits at banks and using credit cards and other loans for purchases. Don't they realize what's going to happen? More profit for them and less profit for you. Nothing good ever happens in the basement. Now there's another way. Visit our friends at Paradigm Life by going to www.beerbank.com and learn how to become your own banker today. Hi, this is Donald Trump, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded podcast on real estate investing. Thanks for tuning into the show today. I am excited to introduce you to a gentleman whose work I've been following for some time now. I thought I traveled a lot until I met this gentleman. He uh, pretty much travels constantly, sees a lot of the world. He's been to more than 100 countries. Please welcome to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Mr. Simon Black. Hey, Simon. Yeah, great. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for uh, being with us today. You know, a lot of the folks who are listening to the show may not be familiar with your work, but uh, you're a guy that uh, travels around a bit. I guess the first question is, where in the world are you today, Simon? Uh, today, I'm in Santiago, Chile. All right. Well, uh, you know, as I read notes from the field, which will tell our listeners how they can get a hold of that uh, before we're done today, uh, you know, one of the neat things is you always point out where in the world that uh, you're writing from, and uh, you travel around a bunch. So I, I guess um, kind of paint us this picture, this idea of, uh, of planting multiple flags that you talk about. Sure. Well, um, you know, the idea is very simple. Um, it, it's something that I think any person that is awake and paying attention to what's going on in the world can see is that there's clearly in the West, um, in the United States and Europe, there's really a lot of uh, a lot of fiscal challenges. And this isn't anything to really be pessimistic or doom and gloom. This is something that historically speaking has happened many, many, many times before um, in the past throughout history. There have always been uh, you know large sort of powerful dominating countries that have gotten themselves into serious serious trouble. And every time that happens, there's a, you know, a change in the order of things. And, um, you know, what we try and discuss regularly every single day in Notch in the Field is, uh, you know, the implications of, of that, the implications of, you know, what happens when the world's largest economy um, enters into a, a period of, uh, you know, of, of decline brought about by debt um, that's just too big to ignore. And what I do is I travel all over the world, and I'm constantly looking for 
new, unique, and different opportunities that are sort of different than the norm. I think um, you know, and a lot of your a lot of your uh, listeners probably understand this. In the world of investing, for example, most people think about stocks and bonds, um, and yet there's really a whole lot more out there. And uh, you're, you're very involved in real estate. I personally am also involved in real estate and precious metals and private businesses and these sorts of things. And so I'm constantly traveling around the world looking for you know, the really great sort of hidden undervalued opportunities. Um, this is a really interesting thing to do as there are so many countries in the West that are in uh, in decline and, and, and differences in opportunities. Um, I really see a lot of really good news stories out there in the world. Yeah, you know, people get locked into whatever their perspective is. If they're in a particular marketplace and it's not going well, they think, you know, for instance, real estate investors, oh, the market's terrible. Well, there is no one real estate market. And, and I'll tell you, when we started looking internationally for real estate about 10 years ago, it really opened up our eyes into a whole different world. At, at any time when there's a market going up, somewhere in the world there's a market going down and, and vice versa. You're traveling around a ton, and so give us an idea of just some of the trends that you're seeing and maybe some of the, the bright spots that you're seeing out there. A lot of really interesting trends. Um, I just got back from, uh, I spent about a week in Ecuador, went out to the Galapagos, uh, was in Guayaquil and some of the Central Valley. Ecuador is a very interesting place. This is one of the cheapest places to buy real estate on the planet. I'll give you an example. In uh, central Ecuador, not too far from a very uh, lovely city where a lot of expats live called Cuenca, um, I saw a place that was about, it was about $100,000. And the house was about 2,000 square feet and had about uh, 10 acres or so. And wow. they were selling the whole thing for $100,000. Now, you do the math on that they're basically selling you the house for the cost of construction and you get the land for free. So they're literally right. giving you the land for free. I mean, you, it's the, the land is free. That's how cheap it is there. You know, so that's, that's kind of the, that, that, those are the kinds of deals that I'm seeing in a place like that. Really unbelievably cheap. And the nice thing is for um, U.S. investors is that Ecuador is actually a U.S. dollar-based economy. There's no, you know, there's no Ecuadorian peso or sucre or anything like that. The actual U.S. dollars circulate in the economy, so there's no currency risk. Um, you buy and sell and conduct transactions in dollars. And so when you're able to buy something for, for nothing, essentially, it's pretty hard to get hurt in that kind of a deal. Um, another thing that I'm seeing is um, in uh, Colombia, place uh, that I go to frequently. I'll be heading um, back to Colombia here in another couple of weeks. Certain cities in Colombia are really, again, dirt cheap. In a place like um, Medellin, for example, Colombia sells at a massive discount. A lot of assets in Colombia sell at a massive discount because Colombia still has a stigma associated with it. Of course, most people think Colombia and they think that, you know, they're going to get kidnapped, shot, uh, you know, I mean, all these types of things. And, uh, you know, that it's a, it's a horrible stigma, and we can you know we can thank the movies and TV and mainstream media for that sort of thing. But if you actually kind of get up, get off the couch, get on the plane, go down there, you see for yourself that it's actually completely different than what anybody expects. And and you know the opportunities there because this stigma exists that is frankly erroneous and completely outdated. Um, you know, the stigma exists. It's really beaten down asset prices where you can pick up very, very, very high quality properties for less than, uh, you know, less than $100 a square foot and still achieve yields that are, you know, 17, 18, 20% on a gross basis. So, again, this is a great, uh, this is a pretty great investment opportunity because Colombia is a thriving, rapidly growing country, um, which is surprising to most people. And one more, I guess I would mention, would be uh, here in Chile. 
just a ton of opportunity here in Santiago, the major city. Some of the best quality, the, the highest quality properties are selling for about. Um, I was actually just had a, a real estate agent over at my uh, over at my place a couple hours ago. We were talking about property here in Santiago. High, very high quality properties available for about $200 a square foot. Not a screaming deal. I'll tell you where the screaming deals are. It's is coastal property which is an order of magnitude cheaper than anything you could find pretty much in the Western Hemisphere, especially in, in the U.S. and, and Canada, um, as well as agricultural property, which to me is one of the best investment opportunities in the coming decade when you look at the fundamentals of agriculture. And while agricultural properties in North America have reached their all-time highs um, in a zero-interest rate environment, the yields that you can derive in Chile on high-quality agricultural property are just almost surreal. And uh, I'm not just talking theoretically here. I've actually purchased agricultural property, have productive land um, in large scale, and it's just been working out spectacularly. You know, it's such an interesting part of the real estate investment landscape. And I remember you wrote uh, a few months back about this idea of the population is increasing. We're going to need more food. And you talked about calories per acre. And it was it was really eye-opening to think about the demand that there's going to be for agricultural product and the fact that meeting that demand gets harder and harder when there is less land set aside for agriculture. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I mean, when you... When you look at it, the, the demographics are pretty simple, and it's not, you know, to be alarmist or anything, but facts are facts. And sometimes as investors, we just have to look at the truth and say, here's what the, here's what the numbers are. Numbers don't feel positive or negative. There's no sentiment. It's just data. And, you know, the, the, the demographic data suggests that uh, there are about 200,000 people born every single day in terms of net world population growth. So that's, you know, new births minus death, 200,000 new people. And you kind of walk the dog on that. You figure, well, when they come of age, you know, that's 200,000 people born today that's going to need to consume 1,000, 1,500 calories a day. Um, you know, I've done the math on this. It works out to be 90 billion calories per year for the 200,000 people that are born, you know, net population growth today. And if you, again, continue walking the dog on that, and you figure that's, you know, a, 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 um, an acre of rice is about 6.7 million calories, you know, for in terms of the yield that it produces. And so it takes about 13,000 acres of cultivated producing rice just to, to feed the people that were born today. And you need another 13,000 acres to feed the people that will be born tomorrow, and another 13,000 acres to feed the people that will be born the next day, and so on and so on. And so when you look at this, it seems, you know, at a certain point that, uh, you know, there's only so much agricultural land, and, uh, you know, every year we, you know, we're starting to see in the agricultural business declining yields, declining arable farmland in the world due to a number of different things, development and, and so on. Erosion of topsoil is a big issue, weather challenges. And uh, so, I mean, you've got a, you've got a sort of a, an environment of increased demand, decreased supply, and a lot of sort of bonehead policy issues at the government level where they take, you know, corn and divert it into really inefficient biofuels. And uh, it's sort of the perfect storm where, at a minimum, what you can expect is rising food prices. And so if you own agricultural land, it's sort of the, you know, it's sort of the, the, the loose parallel. It's like it's owning physical gold or something. It's a really great inflation-proof asset that generates a productive yield. Um, and that in an environment where there's rising food prices because of these fundamentals, it's, you know, pays out to be a really, really great investment. 
Well, it also looks like one of those investments that you're paying attention to what's happening down the road, right? This isn't necessarily that today there's a huge market, although obviously you have a productive farm and you are delivering all kinds of products to the marketplace. There, there's going to be a larger need for that. And, and let's talk, I guess, specifically in Chile. People probably know there's wine produced there, so I know there's wine grapes. What other kind of crops do you guys uh, do you guys grow there? Pretty much everything. Um, the here's the really great thing about Chile when you when you think about the places in the world where you have um, sort of the most diversity of very high value uh, crops. And when I say crops, let's be very specific. I don't want to talk about corn and wheat and soy and those sorts of things because grains are, are an interesting animal. Grains are the most likely to be you know, regulated uh, by governments having their prices fixed and contracts aggregated and things like that. But you're not going to see government step in and, and try and fix the price of blueberries or strawberries or blackberries or uh, you know peaches or these sorts of things um, because they're not staple um, you know, food products. And so you look at places in the world that really have the best kind of growing, uh, growing climates. You look at um, you know Mediterranean climates that have uh, you know that have sufficient water, a lot of sunshine. There's not too many of these places in the world. Think about Mediterranean climates. You've got the Mediterranean itself. You've got the Western Cape of South Africa. You've got Southern Australia, um, California, and Central Chile. And that's pretty much it. And of all of these places, Chile is the one that has not only this great Mediterranean climate and long growing season and plenty of sunshine and a lot of water availability, but also incredibly rich volcanic soil that has been, uh, you know, millions of years in the making of, uh, uh, you know, becoming nutrient rich through, through the, you know, the natural erosion and, and geological development of the earth. And so Chile has all of this, so basically grow everything here. And, and the, the rising trend is that Chile is becoming a major exporter of very high value uh, fruits in particular. So, uh, for example, even on, on, our, on our own farm, we grow um, plums and blueberries and things like this. And I've looked into this and done the pound for pound you know, yield comparison between what we get down here in terms of you know, our yields per acre and the price that we drive per acre and our operating expenses and land costs and so on and compared it against um, similar places that are high producing in the United States, California, um, Michigan, these sorts of places that are that are well known for um, you know for their fruit production, and it's just off the charts down here. It really makes me scratch my head and wonder, uh, you know, why anybody's still chasing around agricultural investments up north. This is really where it's at. Well, and add to that that the economy in Chile is pretty healthy, isn't it? Can you speak to that? Oh, uh, it's on fire, um, and it's 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 doing incredibly well. Not based on you know a central banker coming in and just printing a bunch of money and ratcheting down interest rates to zero percent. It's actually based on real, um, actual increases in production, and uh, and a, a very generous sort of pool of savings that the Chileans have developed over a long period of time. And so you've got really very healthy. Um, demographic and real economic growth. So Chileans are producing more and they're out there in the economy now. This is by far the most robust middle class in all of Latin America. And I'm going to say something that's very controversial that a lot of people might not really like, but I would tell you that the average uh, Chilean, especially even here in Santiago, um, probably actually has a higher net worth than the average person in the United States. Most people in the United States, um, as we know, are very deep in debt. They have a lot of consumer debt. Uh, at this point, they have, most people have very little savings. 
Um, a lot of people are underwater on their home equity, those sorts of things. That uh, Chileans actually, um, they have a lot of savings. They have um, well-funded pension plans and these sorts of things. And so they're out there with a very robust middle class um, out there you know, spending money, they're working, they're producing, and they're exporting. They're exporting. This is the number one copper producer in the world. They're exporting, um, you know, food. They're exporting salmon. They're exporting a lot of things here. And so it's a very, very healthy, productive economy. So to be able to own, you know, if I can buy, uh, to me it's a no-brainer. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm buying very undervalued um, farmland for pennies on the dollar of what I would be paying, you know, up north, which means that the yields that I'm getting are substantially higher. And I'm able to do that in a very rapidly growing, developing economy that's modern and advanced and very civilized. Um, you know, again, it's one of those things that's really hard to get hurt. It's really hard to get hurt. Our guest today is international investor and entrepreneur Simon Black. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, what Simon's doing these days and also talk about one of his hot buttons, privacy. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Come meet Terry Kerr when the Real Estate Guys come to Memphis for an investor field trip, April 26th to 28th. Get all the details at realestateguysradio.com and click on events. As investors survey the country for markets and properties that will perform well for them over the next five to 10 years, one market in particular stands out. That's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta was the second fastest growing MSA throughout the last decade. It's home to the world's busiest airport and has one of the highest concentrations of Fortune 500 companies in the country. Atlanta is expected to add 100,000 new people every year for the next 10 years, and just next year alone, Atlanta is predicted to add over 50,000 new jobs. Now, what if I told you you could buy fully renovated, leased, and cash-flowing investment properties in this market for half of replacement cost? That's right, three- and four-bedroom homes in good suburban neighborhoods that can be purchased completely renovated for seventy dollars to $90,000. At Georgia Residential Partners, this is exactly what we do. We've been helping investors all over the country make solid real estate purchases in Atlanta for almost seven years. Call us today at 770-924-5450 or check us out online at gainvesting.com. Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you're serious about learning how to invest in real estate, listen to the Real Estate Guys. They really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. Hey, we'd love to have you come out to one of our field trips. We're headed to beautiful Belize as well as Memphis, Tennessee to learn about those marketplaces and see what kind of investments are available for real estate investors there. If you'd like more information, go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on events and you'll see lots of the field trips that we do to markets. I believe you got to get into a market and kick the dirt to really understand what's happening. And before we get back to uh, our interview today with Simon Black, 
It's time to play Real Estate Trivia. That's your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. We do this every week, and in just a moment, I'm going to give you the trivia question. As soon as you think you know the answer or want to take a guess, just send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, mailing address, and the answer to the question. And if you're a winner, we'll send you an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. We give the first copy to the first person with the right answer, typically someone listening on the radio. Then we take all the correct guesses for the week, have a drawing for a second copy of the book. So if you're listening on iTunes or the podcast, you still have a chance to win. Last week on the show, we had Michael Gelb with us. We were talking about creativity. Here was our question. Leonardo da Vinci was born in the town of Vinci in the Italian region of Tuscany. What U.S. town is the sister city of Vinci? Well, Billy Joel sang about it. Allentown, Pennsylvania is the answer. Here's our trivia question for this week. Thinking globally for a minute, here's what I want to know. In what city is the World Bank headquartered? Now, the World Bank has offices in more than 100 countries, but where is the headquarters of the World Bank? Just the name of the city will do. If you know or want to guess, send that to us to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Now, here's the important part. We need the answer at your name, but we also need your mailing address because we're going to send you a physical copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate if you're the winner. That is today's Real Estate Trivia Question. Now, I hope you're not struggling too much with the sound quality today, but Mr. Black is all the way in Chile, and as much as I love to do interviews face-to-face, I wanted to get him on the program. So when we come back, we'll continue our interview with Simon Black. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Hi, I'm G. Edward Griffin, author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, a second look at the Federal Reserve, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this fine radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, just a few cabins left for our 11th annual Investor Summit at Sea. It happens in early March, and it is practically sold out. If you want to go, you need to be quick. Go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on Summit. We're talking today with Simon Black, and you can find out more about what Simon does at SovereignMan.com. In fact, I would recommend you sign up for his free daily e-newsletter. It's called Notes from the Field, and he shares a lot of great ideas and information as he travels the globe. Simon, it's sure great to have you on the show today. Great. I'm really enjoying this. Thanks. Now, hey, let's talk about uh, privacy. I know this is a big deal for you. Uh, Simon Black, in fact, is not your real name. Let's talk about how important and how difficult it is to maintain privacy today. Well, I mean... It seems like every day there's just something else. Uh, one of my, uh, somebody on my staff the other day sent me something that's just is being developed by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency out of the Defense Department, uh, where they're outfitting drone airplanes now with, uh, I think, what did they say? It was a 1.6 or 3 point something gigapixel camera. So from, you know, 20, 30,000 feet up in the air, they can spot something that's the size of a credit card. Um, and it's, you know, wired with facial recognition and all this sort of thing. I mean, every day it seems like there's, there's something else. And uh, it just seems like a completely different world from, from the world that, you know, you and I grew up in, where as a human being, you had a, a life that was private and you could, um, you know, you could have things that were your business and nobody else's and all that's just completely gone away now. Yeah, it is. Uh, it has changed a ton. And of course, it's kind of like the the crab in the pot. It happens little by little and we don't necessarily pay attention. You you travel a lot. I'm I don't travel quite as much as you. I think I was on 180 flights last year. Just noticing just the security at the airport, if you back up ten years, 
What a drastic change that has been in terms of invasion of privacy. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I remember the days when, you know, you could get on a flight and when you landed, your friends and family could meet you at the gate. And, right. I mean, of course, now, you know, we're radiating travelers and molesting people and, you know, it's, 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 it's just unreal. And, it, and you're right, it's happening sort of slowly and gradually. And, uh, and, and it's at the point now where we can't even remember what normal feels like anymore. So what can someone do today, Simon, if they're concerned about privacy? There's obviously some steps that they can take. Well, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of privacy, so we, we have to kind of define our terms. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's in certain instances, for example, like financial privacy um, is incredibly difficult because, um, in, you know, in any, any, any bank account that you have, and this really goes almost anywhere in the world, the, the, the global banking system is essentially plugged into, you know, every, every, uh, every government. And so there's some legislation that the U.S. government passed a couple of years ago that essentially requires now every single bank in the world to, um, you know, share information with every government. And so anything that you ever do financially, every time you swipe your credit card, anytime you send a check, anytime you send a wire transfer, everybody knows it. And so there's no, there's nothing that you can do, nothing you can ever spend money on ever that you know would go unnoticed. And you know a lot of people have this view on that, and they say. Well, um, I have nothing to be afraid of because I have nothing to hide. I'm not doing anything wrong. I would argue that um, that's a very weak uh, mentality to have because uh, privacy is either a right, either view it as a right, or, it, or it's either a right or it's not. And if it is, it's not something that can be bargained away um, by reasoning your way through the fact that you're not doing anything wrong. And when we start voluntarily sacrificing our rights, privacy is a right, and we say, well, it's okay if you take my privacy because I don't have anything to hide. It's a very slippery slope. You lose your privacy, you soon start losing um, other civil liberties that, that, that are rights. And uh, again, it's a very, very slippery slope. And so this is, this is the state of financial privacy. It's very difficult to have any kind of financial privacy. I would say one of the best ways actually to still have financial privacy is to own precious metals. Um, this, is, this is something that you, know, you can buy ounces, uh, bars, coins of gold and silver and store it in a safe somewhere, either you know, in your home or you know, we actually encourage people to store it abroad, overseas in very safe and secure jurisdictions. And you got things like digital privacy, which is also becoming increasingly difficult now. Um, you know, again, this is just fact. This isn't any conspiracy theory nonsense, but it's a, it's a, it's a known fact that there's legislation, entire um, executive agencies of multiple governments now that you know, are monitoring and patrolling the internet and using administrative subpoenas um, to get access to all, you know, uh, all of our email accounts and Facebook. And when you think about the kinds of things that we put online now, you've got a company like Google that has access to our mail, our phone, you know, people use Google Voice, our calendars, our appointments, um, the web searches, the things that we're looking at online, all this sort of thing. And uh, it makes it to where, you know, when you live in a society where, you know, there are millions of pages of regulations, code, laws, statutes, and so on, everybody who's listening to this radio program right now is guilty of committing some, you know, a violation of some obscure regulation somewhere that nobody's ever heard of. And it's, you know, to me, it's very difficult to sort of make the argument that you're living in a free society when almost everything is, is sort of against, uh, you know, is a violation of some regulation somewhere. And when they have access to all of your information and every, you know, everything you do, what you look at, what you see, what you search for, what you read, you know, in this environment, it is 
it is, you know, to me, a sort of a precarious state for somebody that believes in the principles of liberty. Absolutely. Well, you know, I guess maybe a transition there is that one of the suggestions that you might have for somebody is this idea of having a foot in different places. And I know that you talk about different places where you can consider banking, different places where you might domicile a company. How is it that you can use multiple jurisdictions to help at least in some regard with this privacy as well as just managing your business affairs in a prudent way? Well, the thing that we always try and get people to understand is that, you know, again, I mentioned this in the beginning, the world is changing. Um, that's a fact. If you just look at the basic macroeconomic picture of the very developed West, we can see that the world is changing. As you mentioned, whenever there's some places rising, there are other places falling and vice versa. And there are certainly some places that are in decline right now. And there are some places that are rising. And, and this isn't the first time throughout history that this has happened. There have been some really spectacular examples throughout history of um, some places rising and other places falling. And when we look at that, and you know, we kind of see that there is you know some potential for um, you know for things to get a little bit nutty. Um, we've seen this again from time to time, you know, ranging from all the the Arab Spring protests to the riots across Europe with people um, demonstrating against austerity movements and so on and so forth. And so. Just as a sort of a, a fundamental, it, people work very hard for their livelihood. They work very hard for their savings. They work very hard to develop an investment portfolio. And I'm a strong advocate of, of trying to get people to look abroad and think a little bit more globally and say, well, you know, if there's some risk potential where you live in your home country, you're not constrained to just doing things in your home country. You know, the world is a big place. It really is. It's a very big place. And in the 21st century, you know, we don't have to get on boats and ships and send telegraphs and things like that. We can transfer money across borders in an instant. We can get on the plane and fly across the world in a few hours. We can, you know, get online and do things, you know, over the Internet at great distances and have relationships with people that we've never met and, and so on. And all, all these things are possible today because of our technology. And so why not use that technology to expand you know, our universe of options? And so if we have savings that we've worked hard for, um, I go all around the world and I look at, at places and I say, okay, well, I could, I could hold my money in a savings account in the United States, in a bank you know, that's been, you know, that just a couple of years ago was, was, you know, went broke because they were writing you know, $4 million loans to unemployed bus drivers. Right. They have, none of those problems have been fixed. You know, they've just basically kind of been 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 shoveling all of their all of their bad debts, all of their bad loans onto the federal government's balance sheet. The issues haven't been fixed fundamentally. Um, so I can you know hold my hold my very hard-earned savings in a bank like that and and earn you know what 0.1 percent interest, or I can go to another jurisdiction in a you know where the bank is incredibly well capitalized, where they actually have cash on the balance sheet and have a very limited loan portfolio with very little risk and they're paying, you know, 8, 10, 12, you know, 14% in some cases. You know, so these are the kinds of places I'm always going around the world looking at these different kinds of opportunities 
because it just, again, it's one of those things that just makes sense no matter what happens. All right. Well, good stuff. Now, I uh, want to make sure that folks know how they can get uh, on your newsletter. If they go to SovereignMan.com, uh, you can sign up there for notes uh, from the field. Tell us about how that happens and how you're able to put together this great information every single day. Uh, well, I, you know, I'm just kind of traveling constantly. Um, so as I travel... I like to write about the things that I'm seeing. Um, so again, just last week I was in Ecuador and the Galapagos, and so I was writing about some of the opportunities that I saw there. And I'm headed to uh, to Uruguay and Argentina this week, and I'll be back in Colombia uh, in the next week or two, and I'll be off to Asia after that. And uh, I'm just constantly on the go. So there's there's always a lot of you know the things that I see. I trust my own eyes more than I trust what I read, you know, in the in mainstream media, what I see on, on TV. I, just, I, don't know, I don't even, I don't give that the time of day. I trust with my, what I see with my own eyes and then, you know, reach my own conclusions and I try and share that, that information, that sort of boots on the ground intelligence with people um, on our website and, you know, we give it away for free. All right, it's great stuff, and it'll certainly give you some uh, some food for thought at the very least. Well, Simon, this has been uh, very enlightening. We sure appreciate your time today, and uh, thanks so much for sharing some of your adventures with us. Great. Thanks so much for having me. All right. You can learn more about Simon Black and uh, the Notes from the Field email at SovereignMan.com. More when we come back from the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. It's a new year and time for a new adventure. Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 11th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. Returning this year are Rich Dad Advisors Ken McElroy, Tom Wheelwright, and Josh and Lisa Lannon. International developer Beth Clifford, attorney Mauricio Raoul, and the godfather of real estate Bob Helms. Plus, joining us for the first time, founder of Freedom Fest Mark Skousen and the incomparable Peter Schiff. Mark has recently been named one of the top 20 living economists, and Peter is one of the few people who called the mortgage meltdown in writing before it happened. It all begins March 1st in Orlando. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to learn more. Get the details and reserve your spot today. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit or call 888-GUYS-RADIO to talk with our Summit Specialist. That's 888-489-7723, 888-GUYS-RADIO. Spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 11th Annual Investor Summit. You already know that Dallas-Fort Worth is one of the strongest real estate markets in the country. Now all you need is a great source for turnkey properties. Great news! Wilson Investment Properties has been providing fully renovated, rented, positive cash flow properties to real estate investors for over 10 years. Founder Tom Wilson is an avid investor himself. With over 200 units of his own, you know he understands what investors need. Contact Tom and his team at 888-510-6838, extension 123, or send an email to wilson at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Lawrence Yoon, Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in today. Hopefully, we uh, widened your perspective a bit. I've been a big fan of Simon's for a long time. Just love his writing style, his candor, his transparency in a lot of ways. And for a guy that doesn't use his real name, that's saying a lot. 
but some great stuff there. Just to take a, one of the big takeaways from me is just the whole concept of agricultural real estate investing. You know, way back when we started doing live seminars and so forth on real estate investing, we talk about the four ways you make money in real estate through income, cash flow on a property, through tax benefits, which vary from location to location, through amortization of a loan if you had debt on a property, and through appreciation, the increase in equity that you get when the property goes up in value. And I used to say one of the things I don't like very much is land because land you can't depreciate. Land you really can't get loans on so you can't amortize. Land doesn't have any cash flow so it's only about the value you can add and what happens when it goes up in value. Of course that was pretty naive. Today one of my favorite investments is land and agricultural land is land that does return. Now, Simon's pretty modest about it, but he has a full-blown operation in farming that is producing a ton of fruits, vegetables, and cash flow. But it's also an amazingly beautiful piece of property. And so I don't know if that's something that resonates at all with you, but at least we ought to start considering that as a potential investment in real estate, agricultural. I've been talking to some other folks that specialize in an agricultural sector when it comes to real estate in the last couple of months and starting opening my eyes to that. So the entire purpose of our program is to just bring you ideas and information. And if it's something that fits great, if you hear a show or you hear an idea and you go, ah, not so much for me, hey, no big deal. It's just like a smorgasbord. There's going to be something there that you're going to dig. And our job is just to make sure there's lots of good stuff coming. Hey, big thanks to Simon Black for taking time out of his schedule today to share those ideas with us. Make sure you go to SovereignMan.com and sign up for his notes from the field. And this is the point in the program where I would normally be telling you to hurry up and get registered for Secrets of Successful Syndication, but something has happened that hasn't happened in a long time, and that is our event is completely 100% sold out. So really sorry about that. I know we've had a couple dozen people try to register in the last few days, and we just, when we picked the location, the room that the hotel had available was one of these tiered conference-style rooms, which I dig. The problem is it's fixed seating, and so there's no way to add any more chairs, and we sold out earlier in the week. But fear not, we will put another Secrets of Successful syndication event on the calendar before the year is out. So watch therealestateguys.com under events to see when that happens. But if you want to hang out with one of the world-class syndicators of all time, Mr. Ken McElroy, author of the ABCs of Real Estate Investing, is one of our many faculty members on the 11th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. It all starts March 2nd in Orlando, Florida, and there's just a tiny handful of cabins left. Many of the categories have been sold out, but if you want to get on the ship, we probably can still get you on, but you got to move quickly. Go to the website at realestateguysradio.com and click on the button that says Summit. Next week, Russell Gray will be back with us. We'll have a great show for you. Until then, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life, powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.